We're in 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter, down to verse 8, but let's review 6 and 7. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire. Several scriptures, something I think Jude mentions that he comes with his holy ones. Some believe it'll be Christians also, but we can't debate that. But he's coming then, we'll see, at the second coming to execute judgment as a king upon the world of wickedness and the Antichrist at the end of the tribulation period. So we'll see the first chapter, he deals a little bit with what we call the rapture, and the second coming's different. We'll go back to that later and and talk a little bit about that. But in verse 8, he says, he will come with his mighty angels and flaming fire. This is judgment. The Lord often speaks as coming In Isaiah, it says, the Lord is a hammer and a fire. Hebrews says, he's a consuming fire. We believe that's why there will be a lake of fire and God's complete wrath and vengeance put on the wicked. There is no place that God is not. He must sustain the lake of fire. He says, I will be a fire to you. He first gave that scripture, Deuteronomy, under Moses and said, if you go after other gods, I will consume you. So his holiness will either purify or it will destroy, depending on how people respond. So he's a purifying power, but if the person refuses to be purified and disciplined and trained in righteousness, then God will pour out his wrath and judgment and holiness against them. So it's like someone said one time, people are sort of, we're like dirt. And if you're mud, what does the sun do? It hardens it. It doesn't soften you. And so it depends on what the soil's like is God's response to them. So if they respond and humble themselves, then he plants good seeds. He sows them. If they resist him, they harden themselves, then he pours out his wrath. So people need to understand this. People don't talk about this today because they don't believe in this. They believe it's archaic. They don't believe in that kind of God. They don't want to. But at the day of judgment, they're going to be enlightened, not only with the truth, they're going to be enlightened in the lake of fire and experience God's wrath and vengeance on all wickedness. So Jesus Christ in Hebrews, it says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will be the great judge. He is the almighty God. He is the everlasting father. And he will judge. All judgments are committed to him because he became a man and he will deal with them righteously. So when he comes back at the second coming, he's not coming in as a savior. He's not coming as a prophet or a teacher. And in between his leaving and coming, he's been an intercessor. But when he comes back, he's going to be a king and a judge. And he's going to execute 
judgment on everyone. The good will be judged according to the name written in the book of Lamb's Book of Life and what they've done, whether it's wood, hay, or stubble, or whether it's spiritual. We will not be judged for our sins. We have already been judged. And so people who don't deal with their sins in this life, there is no purgatory. There is no second chance. So people who claim to be Christians and live in gross sins of adultery and lying and stealing, they're going to be destroyed. They're not saved. It don't matter whether they were saved. And we're going to see in this verse that there is going to be a falling away from the true church. This means true Christians. He's not talking about denominations and the masses that claim to be Christians. He's talking about the real deal, that there's going to be a falling away, okay? Before the Lord comes, we're going to see this. So in verse 8, he will come in flaming fire, dealing out retributions. This is vengeance for judgment and holiness. Vengeance is basically to pay back, and that's what he does. God prefers mercy over judgment, but he will exercise it. And those who've not come to the Lord, those who do not repent and stay right with the Lord, they will experience God's judgment on all their sins. Everything they've ever done will be measured up at that time. He doesn't look over anything. In his holiness, his judgment does not miss anything. So that's why Jesus said, every word, idle word that the wicked speak, they will answer for. But the Christian has to answer for it in this life. Said, so many are the afflictions of the righteous, and the Lord afflicts his own through chastisement, through punishment, so they will conform to holiness, and they'll stop their a willful disobedience to the Lord. That's why he begins to work with them. So if you see people who claim to be Christians and life's going wonderful and they're living in sin, it's because they're already false and been dejected. They've been deceived. They're not the Lord's. They can claim once saved, always saved. It's a bunch of bunk. Scripture tells us we don't follow him and righteousness and purity. If we don't produce obedience and fruitfulness, and yield to that grace, then that grace is vain, and it accomplishes nothing. So he's dealing with the Christian in this life. Therefore, we are sometimes dealt with more sharply. But if he's not dealing with those who are not his, they're called bastards. It means he can wait. In his long suffering, he don't have to judge them immediately. But they store up wrath as uh, Paul told the Jews, you're storing up wrath for the day of judgment. Whatever God extends, whatever grace he extends, if it's not responded to, then a corresponding judgment will come upon them. And so that's why Peter says it's better not to have known the way of righteousness than to depart from it. So he's saying the backslider that dies in his sins unrepentant he'll get a worse punishment than the normal sinner because God's considering. He's crucified Christ twice. He's had a great grace extended, and he's trampled the blood of Christ and insulted the spirit of grace. So God measures all of this out. 
if he extends extra grace to anyone, that's his prerogative. But if they do not respond to it, there's going to be a corresponding judgment. So he's fair in all of his dealings with mankind. So he will deal out vengeance, retribution, repayment to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. You have a lot of false evangelists out there. They think all these people are going to hell because they never heard the gospel. That's monstrous and it's foolishness. People who have not heard the gospel, God will judge them by their inner law. But once they have the gospel and they reject it, then they're on their own. But he's winked at nations and he looks at people at what they've had, what they've been given, and what they respond to. And some uh, he redeems under his principles. But it's those who refuse the gospel that are damned. It didn't say those who don't hear the gospel. See, he'll deal with them at a different level. And we need to understand that. So it's disobeying and refusing to accept the Lord's grace when it's given and his dealing with the person's conscience and the things in nature that shows us about God and rejecting that. That's what's going to cost man. That's what he's going to be held accountable for. So he's going to come, like it says, to measure out God's justice and retribution. He's going to repay evil with wrath. That's justice and holiness working. So there is a payment, a wages, a, a corresponding to people's actions that God's looking at. Okay, So he will give them something for the way they've lived. All judgments, all God's judgments in the Old New Testament are according to man's works. Not one of them talk about uh, what they believe. See, because James himself said, I'll show you my faith by my works. So he was saying, if you don't have the works, and he's talking about spiritual works, the spirit moving and helping us do spiritual things, he said, then your faith is dead. He said, it doesn't accomplish nothing. So we have lots of people confessing the Lord, but their lifestyle, their fruitfulness, their obedience proves otherwise, and he will reject them. The masses, as we've said, of most professing Christians, almost two billion of them today, they don't know the Lord. Most of them never been regenerated, born again. They have religion. They have some mental acknowledgement of truth. They believe Jesus is the Son of God. They just don't submit to him. Like Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you do not do what I tell you? So he's saying if you don't obey him and follow him, he's not interested in what you believe. And these multitudes will say, Lord, Lord, we did this, we did that. And he's going to say, you are workers of lawlessness. Depart from me, you cursed of my father. I never knew you. So that's going to be the masses that claim to be Christians. And they're the ones that are falling away during the apostasy. They're going to be like the foolish virgins. They once knew the Lord. But when they came and slept, which is a sign of not being ready and losing the power of God's presence and obeying him, they slept. 
But when they tried to get ready, it was too late. They didn't have time because the master stood up and shut the door. And when they came knocking, he simply said to him, I do not know you. He didn't say, I never knew you. He did know them, but he didn't know them anymore. So they were not let in. So they backslid. Okay, so we can see that the masses of Christianity don't know the Lord. They know about the Lord, but they do not follow him, nor do they obey him. They're not led of his spirit, and they don't seek to please him. But they add a lot of religion to everything they do in their traditions. So those who do not know or seek God, they do not seek to do his will, which he made people to do. People think, well, why does God bother me? I don't bother him. Uh, because he made you for a purpose, and he didn't ask your opinion. You are to serve, and you have a love and a duty to God. And if you don't give it, there's judgment that follows. So people need to learn that they're not independent of God. The devil tried that. He was Lucifer, the light bearer, son of the morning. And when he rebelled and said, I will, uh, he became independent. And then God departed from him and took everything of holiness out of him. He became the prince of darkness because he wanted to be independent of God. He didn't want to bear the light. He wanted to be the light, which is idolatry when you think about it. But he got fooled at the end. His wisdom was corrupted. Okay. So those who refuse the gospel of grace and the Lord Jesus Christ, they will come under judgment. They do not know. This is not innocence or ignorant knowledge. A lot of people read things on the surface, and they don't understand sometimes the words and expressions that used in the Old Testament and even in a God, with different forms. Often Job and others that didn't know much about the devil or anything, they attributed good and evil to God. Well, we know where evil comes from, but he's the master over it and he can control it. But they thought everything came from God because that was their concept of the light that they had. Other things weren't revealed to them. So a lot of expressions are used simply. It doesn't mean that that was God's will, but it means it had to pass by God's permission. So he can override people's intentions and nature and do many things, and he don't have to explain it. He can use the evil for his own purposes, and he does. He uses the devil now, the demons, and the world to test the Christian that the Christian will overcome and will prove his loyalty. That's why he's around. Okay, We live under a probation. To overcome and be faithful to the end is what God intends and expects from people. And he gives them power and grace to do it. So they are responsible and they are accountable if they do not use what he gives. If you see a lion coming at you and there's a big gun right in front of you and you decide not to pick it up, well, that lion's going to eat you. But you can reach down and pick that rifle up and shoot him. But see, you have the right to do certain things, and God doesn't override the general will of what men want to do. 
they're given that will to make decisions. If God did not give them that, he could not judge them. He cannot judge a person that has no law, no light, no nothing. He judges them because they've been given certain things and they break the rules. They transgress. They go against the Lord's wishes. But see, they do it by their will. And so when the non-believer and the believer that Paul and the apostles are talking to, he's always appealing to their will to do something or not do something. Appeals to the Christian to yield to Christ in you and be led of the Spirit. But you still don't have to do it. And there's consequences if you don't. So that's why it's not automatic. There is no irresistible grace. We're not animals that work by instinct. We have choices and will. And as I've said many times, the greater of the gifts was the gift of prophecy, speaking forth the word of God under inspiration. But even then, Paul said the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophet. He does not overwhelm them. He does not go against their will and mind. He doesn't make them speak in his name. They have to consent to it. So he moves, and even in this speaking of tongues, the Bible says they spake, who? The Christian, but the Spirit gave utterance. So you see the combination in every gift and ministry, man's responsible for his part, and God's responsible for his. It is always will be that way. So when he's talking about this apostasy soon, there's going to be falling away during that dark time of true Christians. I doubt whether there will be that many as far as multitudes, but even then it's going to get darker and darker before the Lord comes, and it's going to make the stage ready for this uh, man of sin. When it gets so dark, that's what's going to happen. Okay, So they're not ignorant. They're not innocent. They refuse the dealings of the conscience that God gives every man, of the inner law, and or they refuse the gospel when it's given to them, and they choose to live self-seeking, selfish lives, not regarding their duty to follow and obey God. See, that's what they are going to be judged for. They're not their own. See, you're not your own. You're bought with a price if you're a Christian. So he doesn't save a person from their sin so they can live their own life. That's not his intention. There is no spiritual vacuum. You ultimately are serving the Lord or you're serving the devil by serving yourself and your selfish desires because that's what his nature's like. So many people, most people serve themselves. They don't even believe there's a devil but they're under his power to a great influence. And they're under his kingdom, whether they know it or like it, that's how it is, okay? So we see then in John 3, 19, and we're going to come back here later on, but here in the Gospel of John 3, 19, and this is the condemnation. The condemnation, God judges sin. He judges wickedness. And those have not had their sins forgiven, those who have not repented, those not following the Lord and obey him, then they come under condemnation. 
of their conscience, but they can sear their conscience. But they come under the condemnation of God. Now, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn because they're already condemned by God. Their lifestyle proves what they are. So he's coming with the message to show them how to get out of this righteous condemnation that's come upon them. Okay, So people take one verse out of context. God condemns all wickedness. A person who to be a Christian lives in gross sin. He is condemned in his heart and his spirit, and the Lord will depart from him. The spirit of grace will depart. He continues on that path. So people need to understand that. So he said, this is the condemnation, why God judges them, that light or truth has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than truth or light, because they prove it for their deeds are evil. So even man in his fallen state has the capability to obey God. Oh, he may not be perfect, and he cannot be, and that's why God provides sacrifices and aids to help man and gives grace. But he expects man to follow his conscience and to do what his conscience tells him is right and wrong. He never changed on that. So he says, but by the way people live, and James would say the same thing, then if you don't have spiritual works, your faith is dead. So Jesus is implying man, by his actions, his willful actions, prove what he is. And even in the fallen state, man is given grace and mercy. God doesn't leave him by himself. But when some of these idiots come and preach the gospel as if everybody's going to hell until they receive Jesus, they don't know nothing about principles of the kingdom. So if you don't run out and get your neighbor saved, he's going to hell. And isn't that bad? Because he's such a good, nice person. Well, if he was a good, nice person, he wouldn't be going to hell. See, that's garbage gospel that's being preached and nonsense gospel. Okay, God's fair and just and merciful in all of his dealings. And when people say, well, he's predestined, well, you're of the devil yourself to say that. He's not predestined anybody to heaven or hell before they're born. He's predestined the church and uh, what he's doing in man's salvation. That's unrevocable uh, by him. They can get in or get out. But the, his plan before the foundation of the world was to save mankind through Jesus Christ. He's not talking about individuals. They can get on the ship or get off. They can be grafted in like the Gentiles were, or like Jesus said, if they don't bear fruit, they can be cut off. But there's going to be the vine, the true vine, the Lord, and nothing's going to alter that. So we need to understand there are certain principles that he works by. So people, even in a fallen nature, with the Adamic nature and the drawing, they're responsible, and God has a standard that he expects from them. They did it under Moses. There were certain rules. If they broke, there was no mercy. They were put to death. Even and any Israelite did not have to commit murder. He may have been tempted for it. He may have been tempted to do this and that. And his fallen nature may have wanted to do it. But until he acted on it, he was not judged. See, a little different in the new covenant. God judges motive and intent. 
Back then, he winked at a lot of things and said, okay, uh, they don't have the spirit of Christ. I don't expect certain things from them, but I do expect certain things from them. And he told them what it was, and they were capable of doing it, or he would not have judged them for disobeying him. Okay? So they love darkness. They can come to the truth, but they choose not to. And even those never hearing the gospel or hearing the truth to some extension, even their parts of their conscience, their intentions are revealed to God by them not wanting it. See, many people says they will not come to the truth lest they be reproved. If they know what it is, they avoid it. And they think that's going to cover them. Years ago, I talked to a few people about the coming of the Lord and how he's going to judge. And these people said, I don't want to hear about that. It's like years ago in the 40s and 50s, nobody wanted to hear that you had cancer. A lot of times when the doctor saw it, he would tell the family, and often the family wouldn't tell them because it so scared them. They just, it's like, well, don't tell them. But it didn't change the fact that they died of cancer, whether they believed it or not. And that's how it's going to be with the wicked. If they avoid the truth and they don't want it, and God knows their motive and intent, and when it's given to them, they refute it or fight against it, he holds them accountable as if they've heard the whole truth. So he judges them righteously. And they won't be able to say before the Lord at judgment, well, I didn't know. He'll say, you chose not to know. And they won't have no answer. They'll be speechless when the truth comes and the devil's not able to deceive them anymore. Okay? So mankind is without excuse for not serving the Lord. And he can come at various levels and God gives more grace. God's given every man grace. Every person has a measure of grace. He said, it's not God's will that any perish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what he wishes. And it said he's long-suffering, he's patient. Scripture tells us he has not rewarded us according to our sins. He doesn't immediately judge the wicked and send them to hell. He lets them live out their life, many of them. There's exceptions, but that's God's business. If it affects other people, he may intervene. But sometimes he lets the devil possess these people and test the saints and try people. He doesn't waste anything. He's the God of great economists. He knows how. So even the devil and his servants have a purpose. Their purpose at the end is the lake of fire. They're kept around for that purpose. He was judged at the cross. He knew then there was no hope for him. But the sentence will not be carried out until the final judgments. Okay, okay these people, these people that oppress you and afflict you. Nine, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Okay, so those who don't want to serve the Lord and those who want to live their own life, there's a payment. Judgment comes on them because they're sinners. They practice sin. They love sin. They want to live their own life. But the Lord's saying, but one day you have to answer for it. See, that's God's laws and principles. Uh, you will answer for it then. 
how you live, what your works are, who you serve. You can do as you please to a degree. You're in God's fishbowl, but you're still in the fishbowl, and you have certain movements and certain things you can do while you're in that fishbowl. Okay? So the wages, it means the payment of sin, is eternal death. This is everlasting wrath, eternal punishment. People say, why is it eternal? A couple of reasons. Man is made in the image of God as a spirit. And it seems like it cannot be or will not be annihilated. And because he dies a sinner without grace or forgiveness or Christ, he is still a sinner. And God must consistently in holiness always punish sin, continually. So in hell, they will experience the continual wrath because they are continual sinners against God. Like he said, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. But he gives enough warning to let people know. But they choose not to listen. And they think if I avoid that, I don't have to worry about it what you will one day, okay? So the wicked nature will try to run from the wrath of God and the wrath of the Lamb when he's caught. Now, the Apostle Paul said, godly sorrow works repentance. It means when God convicts them and deals with them and chastens them, they stop doing it. They see the error of their ways and they want to get right with God and so God will be pleased with them. Uh-huh. But it said the sorrow of the world, the worldly sorrow, worketh death. So in a simple sense, when you are caught as a criminal and you go before the judge, you fear him because he can send you to prison. He can do certain things to you. And you're afraid of that judgment. But you're not repentant. If he lets you go, you'd go do it again if you could get away with it. Because your heart ain't changed. You're just sorry you got caught. Now you have to be punished. But the godly, he says, they're sorrow and they work repentance in them. They stop it and they try to learn the lesson from it and what pleases God and get it forgiven. So there's the difference. Worldly sorrow works nothing. Again, so people at the last judgment will fear and many people die in fear and they want to get right with God, but in most cases, it's too late. As we've said before, God's only recorded laughing about four or five times of Scripture. Proverbs and Psalms, three times, he's mocking the wicked when they're in terror and dying. He's not extended mercy to them. See? They mocked him. They were evil. They didn't do good. And when he tried to deal with them, they ignored him. And so when their terror comes upon them, see, they instinctively will know as they get close to death that judgment's coming. God's put this in the conscience, too. And so one of the greatest things ministers and false religions trying to do is do away with judgment. Because if there's no judgment, there's no fear of punishment. And all false Christianities, many of them teach the same thing. God is love. God is love. Somehow he'll... He'll get us through, but it has no basis in Scripture. If you do not conform and submit to the spirit of truth, you believe a lie and you're damned. And that's what deception does, and that's how the devil deceives people. 
and what they believe won't matter. And at the judgment, it says they'll stand speechless. See, they'll have the full knowledge of how evil they were and what they deserve, and nothing can be done about it. Now, that's going to be horrible. That's why the wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth is going to be in the lake of fire. They'll be in a hopeless state, and they'll be tormented, their spirit, by God's punishment, and they'll know there's nothing that can be done about it. That's the horror of hell, okay? Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a God of wrath. Well, that still applies, believe it or not. So we see the wicked nature will try to run from the wrath of God. It cannot do it. His presence of holiness and power will be displayed. And the wicked hate that, and they are terrorized of it. Remember the demons that Jesus was casting out. They asked Jesus, what do we have to do with you? They went into the dry desert places to get away from everything in their restlessness. And here comes Jesus off the boat, and it disturbed them greatly because they knew he was the Holy One of God. They knew he was God. And they said, what if you come to torment us before the time? Somewhere along the line, the devils that were cast out of heaven, they were informed that one day you're going to be cast into a lake of fire. You're going to be punished eternally. Now you have restlessness and a wicked nature, and you're miserable, but that's not the end. So these demons thought Jesus might, and there may have been nothing to stop it. He may have consigned them to hell at that moment. So they were terrorized of him. Have you come to torment us before the appointed time? They were glad to get away from him. They were scared. They knew this is the Holy One. He created hell and the lake of fire. And so they understood some things, okay? So when God cast them into outer darkness, this place is not only physical, it's spiritual. It's in another realm. Not only will there be no light, which means God too, Outer darkness, they are furthest away from God in relationship as can be possible. He has no dealings with them anymore. People think, oh, the Lord weeps for those that you don't find one scripture, that's blasphemy. It says, utter contempt, Jesus said. Total disregard is God's attitude once grace has been exhausted. And his punishment and wrath is before the evil that they grieved God with. You have to understand, God sees everything. So he sees all of the wickedness 24 hours a day that wicked people do. And he despises it, and it grieves him, but he sees it. And he's going to repay wicked people for putting him in that position, okay? That's why hell's going to be everlasting. So they're going to be cast the furthest away from God as possible. And yet it's believed by many the lake of fire will be outside the New Jerusalem, outside its walls. When you read a Revelation, it appears, and it said, and the smoke of their torment shall ascend before the Lamb and his angels forever. They'll see the smoke and see God's holiness expressed against evil continually. 
That's what they will see, okay? Number 10. So when he destroys them with eternal destruction, destruction is not like many people think. It's not annihilation. It means to be marred or twisted. That's what it means. It don't mean to be done away with. So when he mars a person like that, destroys them in hell, it's a continuous state. What they were made for is destroyed. The demons that were cast out of heaven were made as holy angels. And all of that was removed from them. And we don't even know if they can think about what it was like to be holy one time. Because their whole being is transformed in something evil. And maybe they can't comprehend certain things anymore. So we know they fear God and they hate him. And they try to get away from him because they know what he's going to do one day. Okay, so when he comes, he's going to exercise his power and he's going to be glorified in his saints and the believers on that day. And to be marveled at among all those who have believed our testimony to you. He's going to talk about all this is going to be remembered when he comes. So Paul here is basically not talking about the rapture. So in 1 Thessalonians, he spoke of it. But what he's saying here, in the rapture, uh, the Lord catches people up instantly that are Christians. They see him in the air. In a split second, they put on the divine nature. They become as angels. Jesus said, you'll become as angels, equal to angels. The old man will be left behind. Everything of the world and wickedness instantly is left. So the mortal puts on immortality. It'll be done in an instant, okay? And so we see well, that's when he comes for them. But at the second coming and after the Antichrist, during the time of the Antichrist, he'll be judged. And at the end of that tribulation, the Antichrist and the world of wicked people will be destroyed by a word. And then he'll set up the thousand-year reign, okay? And so what is he doing? When he came in the rapture, he came for his people. When he comes the second time, he's coming with his people. The angels are going to come, and many of the resurrected saints will be with him. So there's two separate events, okay? So he'll be glorified in his saints. Uh -huh. And when he comes, they will be glorified with him. So we see there's a second event is what he's mainly talking about. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's stop here.